The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Exceeding above. 
The war is already being fought. A war is made up of many battles. Some battles are won and some are lost. We see one of those battles taking place now in the Ukraine between Russia and the Ukrainian people. We now see that it is a part of the war. And many of us have not adequately prepared for the war that we are engaged in already. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. This will be another very straight message about preparation for the war. Not for the battle, that is included. But it's a war we need to look at. And if we look carefully at this war, we will see that it has already begun in the opening of the first seal, when the League of Nations was opened, and the United Nations was opened. It's all a part of establishing a one-world government, and people are not going to submit easily or quickly to that one-world government. And so now America is in the process of being deliberately broken down. They cannot stand a strong nationalist nation that will stand against the one-world government. Now, please hear me. The one-world government is a tyrannical government. It is an evil government. It has no conscience. It will sacrifice as many babies as necessary, as many people as necessary, to accomplish their goals. We've seen that in the so-called pandemic. This is only a small part of the war. If in your mind you are believing that things are going to go back to normal in America, you are sadly mistaken. There will never be another normal American life. Our economy is being purposely destroyed and inflated. Our food is being purposely destroyed. Our government is not allowing the opening of a pipeline or other means of reducing the cost of energy. All of this is by design of this great beast that is beginning to arise out of the sea. That is, according to Daniel, out of the peoples of the earth. We'll talk more about this in just a moment. But the question that presses me the hardest and I have the greatest concern about is how you are ready or not ready to engage the powers of darkness and hide in Jesus Christ as this storm hits America full force and along with America, the rest of the earth. Now, the scriptures are very clear that the final war of earth's history has begun and that there will be total loss of freedom in America and a tyrannical, oppressive government is taking over. We are not going to be delivered by some politician who comes with wonderful words of promise that politician will be either destroyed or he will be deceived and be bought off. Now, I want to give again some basic understanding of what it means to prepare now for this war, for the war is engaged and it will not be over until Jesus comes.
comes in the clouds of glory with his great army and destroys the one world government and the beast power. The war will not be over until after the thousand-year millennium of Revelation 20. And then Jesus will create a new heaven and a new earth, and this earth that we're on will be completely burned. The heavens will burn, and a new heaven and a new earth will be created. Now, how are you going to walk through this victoriously? Some of you are saying, I don't believe any of that, Pastor. I don't believe that the earth is going to be burned. I don't believe that we're going to always live in war and destruction until the final battle is fought. You say, I don't believe that Jesus is the authority and the power. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what is true. And you are already, if you have eyes that can see and ears that can hear, you already see that the war is fully engaged and that the very centers of government, the very centers of our culture, have been penetrated. They have been compromised. And the destruction cannot be stopped at this point. The destruction will be completed in a total totalitarian regime that will inflict great pain on the peoples of the earth who will not submit. Now, in the midst of this great war that is now being fought, the one world government has not counted on what Jesus is going to do with the opening of the seals as he causes the one world government to suffer great pain as it dominates the people of the earth and destroys many. Countless millions of people on this earth are going to die. I may be among them and you may be among them. It doesn't matter if we die in this war provided we have prepared ourselves adequately for eternity. But if you have not made adequate provision for eternity, and Washington, D.C. is nuked, and you're fried, you'll think that's pleasant compared to the fire of hell that you will be in for the rest of your life. Eternity. Now let's be very clear. The war is on. The war is engaged, and you can see it in politics. You can see it in the church, as the church has compromised itself with wickedness and sin and still claim that you can go to heaven in spite of being a sinner. That's all part of the war. That's part of the beast power and his deception that has come upon the church. And so the church is no longer the salt. It is good for nothing in America. It is an apostate church, and it's going to be thrown out as worthless to preserve morality. It is going to be judged by God and cast into the fire, just as the wicked will be, because they too are wicked. But out of this culture out of this world, out of this church, God is going to bring forth a remnant. And that's why I'm crying out for revival, because revival brings forth the final remnant of God's people who will enter into the courts of glory and serve in the temple of our God forever and ever. So let's look now, please, at the story of Gideon as an example 
to give us understanding about the preparation process that it's necessary for us to walk through. Yesterday, I shared with you the opening story of Gideon found in Judges, the sixth chapter, that is in the Old Testament, Judges, the sixth chapter. It opens telling us that Israel has again done evil in the eyes of the Lord and that he has given them into the hands of the Midianites, the oppressors. And God is now in the process of giving America over to its oppressors. And the oppression is not going to be lightened. There is not going to be a time of, of glorious delivery. I listened to some of the of the men and women speaking either as humanists or as so-called prophets or prophetesses, and they're saying that we're going to get through this rough patch and then everything's going to go back to a glorious return to America's greatness on the state of the earth. No, it's not going to happen that way. That's not what the scriptures tell us. So let's go now and look at Gideon and see what happened. The Lord first sent a prophet to tell Israel that they had sinned against God, that he had rescued them out of Egypt. This is some 200 years after the time of Moses. And now the Lord comes personally and speaks with Gideon and tells him, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon responds appropriately by saying, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. I cannot fight against the one world government. I cannot defeat it. It will take over the earth. But through the power of Jesus Christ, that one world government will come to a screeching halt and it will be destroyed and its leaders will be cast into hell. We're told that in the book of Revelation. He offers an offering to the Lord. It is accepted. And then he's very concerned because he has seen, as it says, the angel of the Lord, and he's fearful that he will die. But the Lord says to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. You're okay. I'm going to carry you through this. So verse 24, immediately Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and he calls it, the Lord is peace or the Lord is shalom. The Lord is our provision. The Lord will do this. But that night, the Lord came to him and he said, take the second bull in the NIV, but literally in the Hebrew, take the mature bull. That is, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole, that is, the pole for the goddess of of sex. Cut it down. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God. In other words, the first altar you made to me, Gideon, was not a proper altar. Why wasn't it a proper altar? Because it was a little private altar. It wasn't on top of the hill where everyone could see it. It was closed off. It was secret. 
He thought, this deal is between Jesus and me. It's between God and me. I'm doing what the Lord said I should do, and I'm going to honor him now with, with a little altar. And the Lord says, no, I want you to build a proper altar. Well, what is a proper altar? It's an altar that is on the top of the hill. It is an altar that is seen clearly by everyone. It is an altar where there can be no question that this is being offered to the God of heaven. How often we build our little private altars and think that that's enough. We build our little private churches and then we fill these little private churches with private people and we have our little social club but we haven't risked anything. We haven't laid it on the line. We have no skin in the game. Now, believe me, in that day, money was on the hoof. The beef, cattle, the bull was worth a great deal of money. This was a bull that they could use to impregnate their cows. This was a very valuable bull. It was at the prime of life. It was very valuable. Now remember, the Midianites have come down on the land, and many Israelites are now in hiding. Gideon is down in the wine cellar trying to get a few grains of wheat worked out so he can feed his family bread. They don't know at what point the enemy is going to come storming down on them and steal everything they have. This bull has been hidden away very carefully. And now it's being brought out, and it's being brought up to the top of the height of the mountain. The enemy can see it. The children of Israel will be able to see it. Using the wood of the Asherah pole, that is, using the fertility goddess's icon pole. Cut it down. Use the wood to burn the second bull as a burnt offering. In other words, come and lay your money on the altar. The heart preparation that is necessary for us to begin to understand how to get through this war is to build a proper altar to God, to put some skin in the game, to stop playing the game of the one-world government, to stop going along to get along, to stop taking their jabs, to stop taking the propaganda, to stop listening to the mainstream media full of propaganda and lies. I'm utterly terrified for those of you who took the three vaccinations. Reports are coming in from all over the country regarding the high deaths and strokes and other diseases as the immune system of the human body has been destroyed. I am praying for you. Make a proper altar, an altar that is public, an altar that gets you skin in the game, an altar that costs you something. You're not going to be able to hide out and not take a stand for Jesus Christ in this great war. Instead, you are to stand up and proclaim the name of Jesus and recognize that he is stepping into this war. I'll share that with you in just a moment. Jesus is not going to allow the one world government a free ride into total tyranny over the earth. He is going to immensely trouble them. He's going to bring his judgments upon them. 
Some of those judgments are going to fall on people who call themselves Christians, just as some of the plagues fell on the children of Israel in order to wake them up and cause them to be aware that they too must be apart and ready to run, ready to go to the promised land. And so the financial empire of America is even now, as I speak, being destroyed. The central banks control the money. They're privately owned. The Federal Reserve is not federal, and it's not a reserve. It's a criminal enterprise. And so now, it is building the one-world government. So Gideon, he takes ten of his servants, and he did what the Lord told him to do. He built a proper altar on top of the hill. But he is terrified of his family. His father is worshiping a pagan god. He's very concerned about the men of the town. And so he did at night what God had commanded him to do, not in the daylight. He's trying yet to remain hidden and secret. In the morning, this is verse 28. This is Judges six twenty-eight. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, and the Asherah pole beside it cut down, and the seven-year-old bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. And they asked, Who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. And the men of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Isn't it strange how eager we are today to defend our religious practices, even when they are evil? We defend the practice of Christmas, Christ Mass, even though we have fully understood that Jesus was not born on December 25 recognizing that Santa Claus has replaced Jesus as the Easter bunny has replaced the cross. The fertility goddess, Asherah, has taken over Easter, and Santa Claus has taken over Christmas. And everybody talks about the magic of Christmas. Even though the practice of Worshipping Santa Claus is evil, and the practice of worshipping the fertility goddess, the Easter eggs, and the bunny rabbits, and the little chicks, is utterly evil. We defend our church rituals. As I've shared with you before, I... I preached in an Anglican church at the pastor's invitation, and I preached a message, several messages laying out that we must be made righteous if we're going to enter into heaven, that we must leave all sin if we are going to enter into heaven, that you cannot be a sinning Christian a complaint was filed with the Anglican bishop and he quickly went to this broadcast, Pilgrim's Progress, and listened to several broadcasts and said, this is heresy, kick him out. And promptly, we were kicked out of the Anglican church where we rented for the National Prayer Chapel. We were forbidden to even go to their prayer center 
or to in any way be on their property. We were evicted. I said, I'm honored because John Wesley was kicked out of the Anglican Church for the same reason. There was an unreasoning, unbiblical, religious tradition and theology, and they defended it to the max. I understand. These men of the town demand that Gideon be executed because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole. And some of you have gotten very angry with me because I've broken down your altar. And I've cut down your Asherah pole, your seeker-sensitive church and your entertainment and your ugly praise and worship that's not praise and worship. It's just your ritual. It's your religion. Now, fortunately, Gideon's father stands up and says, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. And that day they called Gideon Jerob Baal, meaning let Baal contend with him because he broke down Baal's altar. Oh, that we would break down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole. And we would offer the very best we have on a proper altar for all to see that I, once and for all, renounce all sin and all darkness. I once and for all refuse to participate in the worldly church. I will not participate with any church that supports the wicked agendas of this world or the entertainment of this world. I have turned away from the movies and from the television and from many YouTubes. I'm not going to take my time and energy and give it to the one world government that is trying in every way possible to dumb down and seduce and change America's culture so that it will be accessible to the powers of darkness. I said yesterday, some of you very quickly and easily gave your children to read Harry Potter's books, teaching them how to do spells, teaching them witchcraft 101. But you thought they were wonderful stories. No perception, ignorance, ungodliness. Let our children sit in front of the television or the movies and watch the werewolves, watch the vampires. Some of you call yourself Christians and you're men and women who have been in the church for years and yet you love the werewolf stories. You love the stories of witchcraft and darkness. Oh, we were seduced easily by I Dream of Jeannie or Samantha. Remember the early shows? They were so innocent, fun, evil. And we were suckered in. Breaks my heart how we have been so easily seduced. Clothing styles changed from covering the body to now it seems that women want more than anything else to get naked before everybody and and be looked at with lust, using their 
Their body is a weapon. In America, breasts have been weaponized. It's all a part of the one world government. It's all a part of this strategy being implemented by Satan to take down even the godly. How do we fight against it? We take a stand. Some of you say, I'm, I'm weak. I can't stand. I, I'm a follower. What do I do? How do I? How, oh. You read the scriptures and you obey. You don't set up your own private little religion. You publicly take a stand and say, I will serve Jesus Christ, regardless of what you do to me. If all the hostiles gather and they say, let's kill him, it's okay. We're on our way to heaven. Now, please, I'm not trying to be harsh. But I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to know what we're talking about. I'm not going to dress like the world. I'm not going to act like the world. I'm not going to wear rags to stand in front of God's people and preach. I'm going to most often even come to this studio with a with a clean and pressed shirt and a tie. Why? I'm not going to wear a Hawaiian shirt. I'm not going to dress in a pair of jeans. I'm not going to wear tennis shoes to church, even if they're a pair of $800 tennis shoes, as some preachers are doing. They just want to fit in. They want to be acceptable to everybody. But they're not acceptable to Jesus. In their pretend poverty as they wear rags. I guess I'm old enough to remember when all we had, it seemed, were jeans that we'd worn holes in. And I had them handed down and handed down. To me, the youngest. But at least mom would patch the clothes. Now we seem to get great delight out of wearing jeans with all kinds of holes in them and slashes. And What are we trying to do? We're trying to fit in with that one world government. And the war is on for your soul. And you need to take a very specific stand. Put your life on the line. And say, I will build a proper altar in my life and in my home. And I will take a stand and I will put on that altar my very best. Not a pair of jeans. Not ragged clothes. I will put on that altar my very best. And all that I have, I am giving to Jesus. All that I have belongs to my Lord, even my life. And I urge many of you to run from this compromising of life. Run. Run to where there are people who stand for Jesus Christ, who walk clean before him. Don't don't be best buddies with a wicked man or woman. They'll lead you to hell. Take a stand. Well, pastor, if I take a stand, I'm going to lose all my friends. Oh, yeah, Gideon did. They wanted to kill him. Now, we're going to continue with this story of Gideon as we continue in this week. But I want to take you now to the book of Revelation. When we go to the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation, let me read a part of this for you, please. Revelation 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, And then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. 
and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads names of blasphemy. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and his feet as a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave his power to it and his throne and great authority. The dragon, we learn in chapter 12, is Satan, the devil. So what what we find in the 13th chapter of Revelation is a description of the end day world power of tyranny. In other words, there's going to be a basic organization to this beast power. It's going to have ten horns or ten regions. It's going to be ruled over by seven heads, heads of state. And all of these will be united together under one head and be Antichrist. And so Europe, America, China, Japan, all the nations of the world will be divided into ten kingdoms. And this great demon one-world government power that is arising even now as we watch, as we watch it destroy America, It's not going to back off. It's going to win, the scriptures say. America is going to be under the power of the beast. Every nation will be under the power of the beast. And all of the people are going to worship Satan. And they're going to worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to make war with it? If you read the description I just shared with you and you read Daniel, the second chapter, you'll find that all of these powers are now combined into one wicked power. So you have the head of gold. You have Medo-Persia, Iran, Iraq. You have all of the nations of the world, the powers of Daniel 2 represented in one great world power. And they say, who is like the beast? And who's able to make war with it? And it was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and authority was given to it to make war for three and a half years. There's a seven-year tribulation. The last three and a half years are going to be totally dominated by the one-world government. If you survive that last three and a half years, it will only be because you have been hidden by the hand of God in the back woods, the clefts of the mountains. You're going to have a safe haven somewhere where God is going to send you. Now it says, and it was given to it to make war against the holy ones and to overcome them. And authority was given to it over every tribe and people, tongue, and nation. And all the ones dwelling on the earth will worship it, the name of whom has been written in the book, except, let me read that again, and all the ones dwelling on the earth will worship it, the name of whom has not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, the one having been slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, he must pay attention. If anyone is for captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone kills with the sword, it is necessary to kill him with the sword. Here is the endurance and the faith of the holy ones. And then he describes another beast that comes up out of the earth. I have often thought, I can't prove it, but I have often thought, that this second beast power that comes up out of the earth 
that cooperates with the world government is a lamb-like beast, but he doesn't come up out of a, a mass of people. He comes up out of the earth. I believe that lamb-like beast was America coming up out of America. It's like a lamb. But it began to speak like a dragon. That's where America is headed. America is already being given over to tyranny. We've seen that in the wearing of the mask and in many other ways. It's clear that we no longer have the freedom of speech, and soon every other freedom is going to be taken. It exercises all the authority of the first beast before it and was causing the earth and the ones dwelling in it that they may worship the first beast whose wound was healed of its death. And it does great signs so that it may even cause fire to come down out of heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And it deceives the ones dwelling on the earth because of the signs which was given to it to perform before the beast telling the ones dwelling on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound by the sword and yet lived. And it was given to it a spirit to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might also speak and might cause as many as may not worship the image of the beast that they may be killed. And it causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free man and the servant, that they might give to them a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one should be able to buy or sell except the one having the mark, the name of the beast, or the number of its name. Here is the wisdom the one having understanding must interpret the number of the beast. It is a number of a man, and the number is 666. That's where we're headed. Now, we need not walk in fear, but rise up and make a proper altar. An altar spoken of in Romans, the 12th chapter. An altar, a burnt offering, where we lay our lives as as a living sacrifice before our God, trusting that God will either provide for us a hiding place or he will cause us to become a martyr for the faith. But everything has to be on that altar. You're not going to be able to have your own private little altar in your own private little church And you're not going to be able to pretend that you're like everybody else because the separation is dramatically widening. The separation is dramatically widening. Morally and physically and spiritually. We have to be set apart by the Holy Spirit. And I've spoken to you about the desperate need for this message of holiness to go across America. It's going to require some people to lay their lives down, to build a proper altar of holiness, of sanctity of life of totally standing up against abortion, totally standing up against the wickedness in dress and act, to totally stand up against lying and cheating and stealing and fornicating, to totally stand up and say, this is wrong. Don't be a coward. You know what Jesus said about cowards, don't you? Let me turn very quickly before we run out of time. This is Jesus. Blessed are the ones always doing his commandments. Talks about what it means to do and to keep the commandments of God. 
He says the cowardly will not be able to enter. This is found in Revelation 21, verse 8. But the cowardly and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the fornicators and the magicians and the idolaters and all the liars, their part is in the lake, the one burning with fire and brimstone. Well, we're out of time today, but let's be very clear. You prepare for the war. You prepare for the battles that you will enter into for Jesus Christ by building a proper altar and laying your life on that altar as a living sacrifice, Romans 12. The day of compromise must come to an end. Look at what you have and say, how can this be used on the altar of God for the battle and for the war to win the souls of men and save them from the one world government? I wait to hear from you. We still do not have radio covered for this month. Financially, I need to hear from some of you who stand with me for this radio broadcast, Pilgrim's Progress. And we need to go national. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, or write to me. Thank you, Chris, and others who have responded Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Oh Lord, I pray your blessing for every person who's listened to this broadcast. And I ask, would you draw each person and give them the courage to build a proper kind of altar before you, that they would have skin in the game, that they would lay their lives with boldness on that altar of burnt offering and be living sacrifices before you against the darkness that's coming upon the earth that is already here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy Now unto him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of his glory